There are forces at work here. The place we are, it's natural beauty, it's a great place to live. It has great diversity, great food, great music, great people. People want to come here and live, and I don't think we can change those variables. It's actually our opportunity. I see growth as our opportunity to prove that we can seize this moment and do something really fabulous. And that's what Seattle's been about for a very long time. That's based on our education system and on the type of people, the dreamers, and the innovators and the crazy people who move here because we are always thinking, yeah, we could solve this problem. We could do something really cool. We need to solve our problems. We need to build a really great city. That's the voice of civic leader Maggie Walker. This is the Seattle Growth Podcast. I am Jeff Shulman, and it is time for us to decide as a people, what do we want for this city as it undergoes a drastic transformation? In today's episode, you are going to hear what the highest leadership at the city and state levels want. You will hear my in-depth interview with Seattle Mayor Ed Murray. You will also hear my in-depth interview with a member of Governor Jay Inslee's executive cabinet, Brian Bonlander. We are at the end of the 13-episode exploration of how residents, businesses, and city leaders are reacting to Seattle's economic and population growth. I conducted over 100 interviews to bring you this podcast. And through this journey, the episodes have uncovered challenges that growth is bringing to the people of Seattle. Each episode examined a different topic, and you heard investors and executives describe the talent recruitment and retention challenges growth is creating for the high-flying tech sector. Homebuyers and renters shared stories of struggle with affordability. Members of the rising homeless population shared the challenges of living unsheltered in Seattle. Seattle natives shared the emotional experience of finding parts of the city in which they grew up to be unrecognizable. We also explored the challenges created for the city's schools, hospitals, transportation network, emergency services, and public utilities. And through these episodes, it is clear, growth is bringing serious challenges to the region. That being said, many people expressed reason for optimism people such as Urban Vision's CEO, Greg Smith. I think now Seattle's focusing on these issues, and I'm, and I'm very confident that our city will also thinks outside the box and will um, tackle these solutions in a great way. So I'm very, I'm very uh, happy that I live in Seattle. I'm very proud to be part of Seattle, and I'm very excited about our future. And recent transplants to Seattle, such as Bobby, have expressed admiration for the people of Seattle. They, the people here definitely have had their minds open for a while. They've learned how to uh, uh, open, open their spectrum of uh, acceptance very much. It's great here. Through meeting extraordinary people along my journey, I have become convinced that the people of Seattle can leverage the strengths of community to work together in rising to these challenges and to build a mutually beneficial future. Part of this process involves listening to fellow community members to understand the challenges they see and hear the solutions that they propose. I want to thank all of you for listening to the voices heard in this podcast series. Still to come on this episode is a chance to listen to how the mayor of Seattle, Ed Murray, thinks about growth. But first, I welcome you to listen to the director of the Washington State Department of Commerce. 
I am here at the Weston Exchange Building with a member of the Washington Governor's Cabinet, uh, Brian Bonlander. Uh, he is the Director of the Washington State Department of Commerce. Brian, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So, uh, why don't we start by having you tell me a little bit about yourself. I, I'm uh, Governor Inslee's Director of the Washington State Department of Commerce, and I've been doing this job for close to four years now. Uh, prior to that, I worked in Washington, D.C. I'm, I'm from Washington State, uh, lived in Yakima went to school at WSU and did a variety of things uh, in the private and public sectors uh, prior to doing this kind of work. And now I'm uh, blessed with running this organization that, that does a lot of really important things for communities around the state, including economic development, including uh, housing uh, affordability and addressing the needs of the homeless and building infrastructure and our state's energy office as well in terms of our obligations, our goals around energy. And so as Seattle's in this extraordinary boom time, uh, what policies at the state level do you believe contributed to this growth, both in jobs and in population, to the Seattle or the Seattle region? First of all, you look around, we're in this, we're on the 26th floor, uh, downtown Seattle, and you just see one of the most beautiful places on earth, right? And so it's a place where people want to be. Uh, there are unlimited, almost, number of, of outdoor activities that one can engage in from ski to sea. It's uh, an incredibly diverse state geographically and the different types of uh, opportunities that uh, uh, that exist for tourism and, and for outdoor recreation. So so it has that going for it. It, it, it had the luck of having several uh, ultimately big companies uh, form here. And that, I think, uh, you know, Microsoft, Boeing, Amazon, and, and, and others, that's helped become a magnet for other companies. Now, on top of that, as a state, we provide uh, we, we need to ensure that we, we're taking care of the foundations for economic development, which include education. Uh, the governor and the legislature provided the biggest increases of education, uh, K through 12 education funding uh, in, in state history in the last couple of years. Uh, we passed the biggest transportation package uh, in history, which we're not going to see the benefits of, you know, for a few years yet because it's going to take some time to con uh, to build those systems. Uh, but those those are taking care of the foundations for economic growth. And then in, in upon uh, taking this position and, and Governor Inslee taking office, we've revamped the way the state does economic development. We've reestablished the connection we have between local communities and, uh, and the, the economic development councils in the counties uh, to create a, a, a functional, seamless uh, system. We've, we've established a uh, targeted economic development, what we call a sector-based economic development approach, in which um, we recognize that we can't any longer just rely on luck for our uh, for our diverse industry sectors to flourish here. Other states have very concerted and very targeted efforts in life sciences or maritime or aerospace. You name it, and we really didn't have that. And so that's so we we, we established uh, that program that ensures that we're we're looking ahead to to, to try to. Uh, understand where industry is likely to go, to try to understand industry needs, and to create critical mass around uh, new initiatives w within those uh, within those sectors, which are our engines of economic growth. As Seattle and the region around it, the economic and population growth is, is happening. What is the impact of that on the rest of the state? Well, the the state the state overall has seen. A, a marked improvement in in the economy in, in every county. Unemployment is down. 
Uh, we've been ranked by Business Insider as the number one economy in the country. We're number one in small business job growth. We are uh, we're we're uh, top uh, always in the top three as of late in our GDP growth uh, in real incomes. We're also leading this, uh, the country. Uh, so that that's not just Seattle. That's occurring around the state. Now that said, there are parts of the state that aren't doing as well as Seattle and parts of the state that are clearly still struggling. Uh, Seattle is, by virtue of its size and its, its proximity it's, it's, uh, to Asia, its location and so forth, it's, it's an engine of growth for the entire state and it's, it's, it's an opportunity for the entire state. Now, how that how that plays out moving forward, how we manage that growth, I think is important because it it could become right now the, the ports here are an outlet for our agriculture uh, products coming out of eastern Washington. If we uh, if we continue to have difficulties with our transportation system, or if they get markedly worse, then that asset at some point is going to be diminished and perhaps even becomes a liability. And so, so there are challenges associated with this growth that could affect other parts of the state um, in, a, in an adverse way, and we, we need to be, uh, be mindful of those. But, there's, but there, there's also positive aspects, right? I mean, the uh, uh, tourists who come to Washington State, uh, those who end up going to places like wine country in eastern Washington, or the Olympics uh, National Park or Rainier National Park. They often go to Seattle first and foremost, and so Seattle becomes a draw and an, an entry point for our tourism industry around the state. And so now let's focus a little bit on Seattle itself. What opportunities do you see most that the uh, state government wants to capitalize on? We foresee continuing continued healthy tech sector a healthy uh, life sciences industry. You know, we we're, we have significant aerospace. So we, we I think we need to we need to be looking ahead. So tech for take tech for instance, it's a it's a rapidly changing industry, right? Where um, disruptive technologies are sort of the norm, and uh, trying to understand where that's going is important to help position us. So clearly cloud computing is here to stay and it's it's growing. We're doing well there because Amazon and Microsoft are here. We have an opportunity to be the world leader in virtual reality and augmented reality. Uh, where uh, Facebook is actually doing all their development work here for Oculus. Valve, uh, the Valve company in Bellevue, they are, uh, they are themselves developing the, the Sony uh, VR headset and of course, Microsoft is developing their HoloLens, their augmented reality. So that's an example. Blockchain, this is another one. We, we put together a conference on the subject of blockchain, which is, which is a form of computer programming that could be the next big thing. And so we're, we've organized a conference to, to help position our state and to help get the industry to view us as, as leaders. And so we do that for our uh, similar stuff for our maritime industry, our our life sciences industry, uh, aerospace industries. So I, it it really takes almost a surgical uh, view of the specific industry and of those opportunities to to capitalize on them. Broadly speaking, there's you know we're we're going to have some challenges moving forward, and I think our growth here is likely 
to be limited by our ability to address those challenges. And those include housing affordability and uh, transportation, I think foremost amongst them, particularly the closer you get to Seattle. All right, so let's talk about those challenges. First, why are those challenges the top two in your mind? Well, housing affordability, so we, we are trending to put us on course to follow San Francisco uh, in terms of uh, the trajectory of our, um, of our rents and of our property valuations. Now, we, we, we probably aren't going to get to San Francisco extremes for a variety of reasons. We have some outlets that they didn't have in terms of less expensive markets. Uh, but we don't know. And what I think what we do know is that we don't want to be named in the same sentence as, as San Francisco when it comes to housing affordability. That's like imagining your future, your economic future, and talking about whether or not you're going to end up like Detroit, right? You don't want to be, you don't want to have that conversation. And the reason is, is because the, the impacts are profound. And right now we're seeing, uh, as I think most Seattleites and most folks around the state have seen an increase in homelessness. And um, we've been looking at that data for some time to try to figure out why we're having that increase and, and to, to, to say with some degree of certainty what, what the cause is. And, and uh, we believe with, with a high degree of certainty, it's, it's, it's affordability. That's, that's the driver right now. There are other issues out there, mental health, um, uh, uh, heroin epidemic, but none, none of those, or educational attainment, none of those uh, explain, some of those haven't really changed over the years, and none of them, those that do change, can't account for anything near the, the, uh, the difference we're, we're experiencing. Because the, as Washington State's incomes as a whole, we're actually doing better than most of the, the, almost, I think, every other state in the country in terms of our incomes rising. Like every other state in the country, the, those in the lower, quintile or decile of the population, those earning the least are not seeing their incomes rise. And so when rents increase by $100, we're seeing increased homelessness anywhere to 6 to 30%. So, so that's just homelessness. There's, there, there are uh, implications with the economy as a whole. If you look at what happened in San Francisco, there, there are employers that provide middle-class jobs were effectively priced out, right? They're, they, and they're priced out by, by two means, but the foremost amongst them uh, was that they could not uh, source a viable workforce that could actually afford to live in the area. So it became increasingly expensive and difficult to source a workforce. This is something we're already hearing from our maritime industry, our manufacturers here. They're already telling us about people who commute two hours a day. Uh, we are, uh, secondly, they're, they're, they, they, they'll feel the increasing um, essentially opportunity cost of the, the value of their property going up uh, relative to nearby residential and uh, oftentimes it increasingly makes sense to sell their property, try to get it rezoned, and move their operations entirely, which unfortunately is oftentimes out of state. Because when a company looks to, to make a 50-year decision like that and they know they're having to source an entirely new workforce, they don't just go 25 miles down the road, they start look. They do a nationwide search, and oftentimes that's out of the area that sort of, that they just had to had to escape because of these economic pressures. It, it would be great if all we had to worry about is companies moving to other parts of the state that needed more economic growth. From a state perspective, that would be great. Uh, unfortunately, in the real world, it often doesn't play out like that, and so it's a huge risk uh, that, that we'd be facing. So I think uh, our our risk to our to our economy is very significant. We're already hearing from some of those same 
Silicon Valley companies that came up, came here and opened development offices here to escape the affordability problems in, in San Francisco, they're, they're already looking for other cities and other, other states in which to expand because they, they see what's happening here and costs. They feel they've seen this movie before. They don't want to be caught in it again. And they think they need to find another place to expand. So that can be a limiting factor, not only to the growth of well-paying jobs found in ITC and in life sciences, but also uh, it can be a real threat to to middle-class jobs that um, on which I think that is, is really the, 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 it's still the backbone of these communities. So you mentioned three main challenges. Uh, I'm breaking housing affordability into affordability and homelessness and then transportation. Let's talk about each of those three uh, fairly briefly. Uh, with housing affordability, what does the governor's office plan to change in response to those challenges, that challenge? Well, the fundamental problem with housing author- uh, affordability uh, right now is housing supply. We just do not have the supply that we need, and thus we're seeing the increase in property valuations, the increase in rents. It's a simple supply and demand issue. We're not building as many units if we, as we have historically built. So despite all this growth you see around you here, uh, despite what you're hearing, uh, about increased in migration from other states, where we're seeing about 50,000 people a year, which taken together with with our natural population growth is about 90,000 additional residents a year here. We're only building anywhere between 30 and 40,000 new uh, new housing units a year, which is less than what we've done in the 90s and the 80s and the 2010s, where minus the, the Great Recession, we were building about 45,000 a year. Now that fluctuates, but but we're still under where we need to be. And, um, you know, interest rates are low. People, uh, there's a lot of people who can afford mortgages. Uh, there's a lot of people who want to buy homes, but there just isn't the supply. And so we need to be looking at how we can uh, improve supply. And I think there are, there are different tools we can look at, which, is, which include investing in the infrastructure, the water and sewer lines and so forth. Uh, that seems to be a limitation. Uh, I think there's some permitting issues which are a limitation. Uh, there's some limitations around how we do zoning that um, uh, that oftentimes doesn't allow for uh, additional units to be built where you might expect them to be built. Can you talk a little bit about rent control? So a lot of the people I interview are concerned about rent control, and then it's been documented that that's more of a state issue that limits city, Seattle's ability to implement rent control. Can you speak to that at all? So there is a state law that uh, it's been on the books for some time that either outlaws or makes it difficult for local municipalities to engage in rent control. I don't, I mean, that, that's not something I'm spending much time taking a look at because the data is, is not conclusive as to the impact that such measures would actually have on housing and homelessness. Um, again, we have a supply problem here, and until we build more homes, uh, even if you froze rents currently or slowed their increase, it, it's not going to guarantee that we're going to have more units built. Our 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 vacancy rate as a state is three about three and a half percent. That's half the national average, which is also uh, half of where economists generally think we need to be around six to seven percent for vacancy rates in some places like Seattle it's as low as 1.2 percent and so it's incredibly constrained and 
I don't believe a blanket policy like that, and the data doesn't indicate a blanket policy like that is going to solve that supply and demand problem. And now going back to homelessness, what does the governor's office plan to change in response to the challenge associated with homelessness? So, um, first of all, the governor, upon taking office, uh, one of the first decisions he made and that he made clear is that the legislature and the governor were going to stop balancing the budget uh, on the back of social services. He put a stop to that, which completely changed the debate in Olympia as to how they were going to handle their budget. And, and, and since then, we have made still significant investments in uh, affordable housing and in efforts to fight homelessness. We, we've also, and uh, as a state, uh, are, we, we're, we're on the cutting edge of innovative approaches to, to address homelessness. We're leaders in rapid rehousing. We do more rapid rehousing here than anywhere else in the country. Uh, which is proven to be about 70% more efficient and cost-wise in, in reducing homelessness by getting people into house, housing first and having all the services necessary uh, immediately uh, w- when doing that. We uh, lead on a housing first model for providing, first getting folks housed and then helping to meet their other challenges that they face in life in order to get them set on a more stable trajectory. We've, we've got a number of, of counties doing some innovative things around family homelessness. We had a 100-day challenge uh, with several counties in the state outside of Seattle, well, outside of Seattle, but they're all finding these unique ways of, 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 of pursuing this problem. Uh, I, I mean, and let me just say, I do think that we need an increased investment from the state in providing resources to, to, to deal with, the, to, to meet the needs of, of people who are homeless now. Uh, we have to recognize we've had this surge. We need to uh, come forward with the resources to address that and do so efficiently while getting at the underlying cause of affordability. I want to give you just a brief second to talk about what the governor's office planned to change in response to transportation issues. You said that's a challenge as Seattle grows. Uh, what does the state hope to do in response to that? Well, w- w- so we're in the we're in the in the in the budget. The governor's in the process of developing his budget, and so there, we're talking about a, a variety of things in general, whether it's homelessness, housing affordability, transportation, education, uh, so forth. The uh, and transportation, um, we you know we passed the big transportation package last year, but nothing's happening on that yet because. You know, transportation projects require uh, planning, breaking ground, and so on and so forth. So the, I mean, there's a lot of work behind the scenes, but the, really the implementation of that is going to be uh, critical to how we, how we a, allow the, the system to function while we're doing all this construction, uh, and b, uh, do so in a manner that is smart, that uh, that uh, recognizes possible different trends in transportation uh, modalities. And um, and meets uh, growing needs of citizens. Now, I don't. I'm not. I don't do trans or transportation stuff for our state. I will add my voice to that of um, the business community in particular, and uh, people who need to commute to and from work. And um, you know, and that and that voice is being heard. So we're we're going to have an ongoing dialogue on this on this issue. I think the legislature again they've passed the biggest transportation package in history. So it's going to be a little while before we see something that big happen again. Um, but uh, but we're going to be improving the system. Where do you see Seattle and the state of Washington five years from now? I'm I'm very bullish on on where we're headed. I mean, if you think about the industries of the future. 
and you think about Seattle's assets, it's uh, we were positioned as well as anyone to take advantage of that. Now, there, there are always going to be macroeconomic impacts and uh, or events that have macroeconomic impacts that are going to be unavoidable for any area and Seattle's no exception to that and so if if China sees an economic collapse if Brexit reverberates more strongly and we're already seeing some indication that that it's impacting our exports you know then there's not there's not a lot we're going to be able to do about that I will say I think we're 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 a little better positioned than we were in the past because our economy continues to increase its diversification and so while we are the more most trade dependent state in the country uh, which means the upside of that is you know we're generating a lot of a lot of jobs and economic activity out of our exports, as we see uh, international economies grow, we do well. The downside is when that sl- when that trade slows down, we just disproportionately impact are impacted, and that historically has been the case. But I think that because we're a more diversified economy now, we're going to be able to weather that storm, those kind of storms, a little bit better. Uh, I think as long as we can address uh, some of these challenges with growth, and you know, it's as problems go for regions. Those are those are good problems to have. You know, it's a good problem to have because uh, effectively, what we're saying is we have to figure out how we're dealing with all these jobs that the, the economy is creating, right? And how we deal with all these people who want to come in uh, to the state to take advantage of these jobs. Uh, that's a good problem to have. And uh, I think that as a region, if we're if we have uh, open conversations about that and what the implications are of 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 acting and not acting, I think that we're 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 going to be, be positioned very well. And so any other concluding thoughts on Seattle's growth and how it affects the Department of Commerce and the state of Washington? Uh, I, would, I would just say that the, back to the housing affordability, um, we need to have a, a, a broad dialogue. And this is something that we've been doing internally within the Department of Commerce. Because within the department, we have our, the state's growth management unit. We have our uh, local uh, infrastructure financing entities. Uh, and we do, and we do economic development, and we do housing and homelessness. And I think it's important that we find ways to have conversations on how these impact one another, so that our efforts. You know, there's there's a great coalition of of people here, right in Seattle, in the maritime industry, who who are working hard and admirably so, protecting working waterfronts and protecting light manufacturing areas from from rezones that would move those operations elsewhere uh, the and they're starting to recognize that despite those efforts they could be severely undermined if they can't source a, a workforce that can afford to live here and uh, I think it's important that people and neighborhoods uh, around the city recognize what it means to, to sort of allow housing affordability to go unchecked um, what that means for not just whether or not their kid is going to be able to afford a house when they when they're old enough to buy one, but actually what it means uh, in terms of the economy of uh, of our of our city, and what it means in terms of increased likelihood of homelessness, and and I think when we have those conversations and we and we find reasonable ways to deal with 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 density, I think that people are are going to feel a little better about where we're headed moving forward. And by by that I mean industries uh, that are a little bit anxious about 
what this growth means for them in the future. Uh, that, that's going to be of paramount of importance. And I and and as w- one final thought, I would like to say is, as we are as a state, we're looking for ways to encourage economic development in underserved areas, in rural areas, or just in and say for the ITC industry. We're trying to encourage more of that in cities like Tacoma, right? We were just meeting with a company today, in fact, uh, that we're trying to recruit this e-commerce company. And and we're talking to them about Tacoma and about the merits of locating there. Now, it's a little counterintuitive to do that because the reason why Weyerhaeuser moved from Federal Way to downtown Seattle and the reason why Russell moved from Tacoma to downtown Seattle is because they feel that's where they have the best opportunity to attract the highest talent international workforce that they're going to need. There's also people commuting who are software developers now from Tacoma to Seattle because they don't have those same opportunities in Tacoma. And so we're looking for some companies that that will be some of the first to take a jump into uh, new markets, take advantage of those uh, high quality workforce and hopefully create more of a nucleus in different parts of the state to grow those industries. But, you know, it's not easy because the easiest thing to do is to do what everybody else is doing, right? You've got to really understand the upside of, of taking a risk that not everybody else is doing before you're willing to do that. Brian, thank you for your service to the state of Washington, and thank you for your time here today. Much appreciated. Thank you. As Seattle undergoes this historic transformation that affects the entire state, I asked people what they would like to see for the future of the city. I spoke with Jane Richlowski, an artist who is a partner in developing the Good Arts Building in Pioneer Square. I want there to be other buildings like ours in, in downtown, but also in other neighborhoods where, um, where profit's not the first, um, the first thing that you want, um, that, that it's sustainable and the person who owns it and runs it makes a decent makes an okay profit off of it but they realize that there's something more at stake which is that they live in their neighbor you know that they they have to live in this community so i want there to be you know nice restaurants and bars but ones that maybe there's artists upstairs who come down for a drink too and i think that that people need to be around that that not that that they need to know that there's people who devote their lives to making things to making beauty and meaning out of things and that that entails some sacrifice but we all benefit from that with benjamin zercher who launched the startup stuff mapper in hopes of saving unwanted items from landfills i hope it does maintain its kind of village feel and it's also cutting edge um ideologies with the owner of cherry street coffee house ali gambari I'm hoping that we continuously can realize new way of handling our homeless uh, because that's the biggest challenge we have. And it's not an easy task, but we need to come up with the game plan. And I hope we can, as a whole, um, help this situation because this is not one-man show. Everybody have to get in this game and help out, but um, we can do it. I mean, that's all there is, is the bottom line is together we can do it and it will happen. With a student... Tasha Myers. I would definitely like to see the transit uh, expand. So I think the light rail is a good place. Um, I think they could continue building on that, definitely. So more people have options on where to live and the traffic goes down a bit. With Boji Majeo, co-founder of Swerves. Personally, I think the attention of connecting the bridge between technical skills and higher before higher ed, so basically in high school. With Michaela Kiner, CEO of Uniquely HR. If you can start people at a young age thinking about 
giving back, being aware of that infrastructure, everything from social justice to, you know, being just good citizens and good business people and entrepreneurs, I would start with the kids and just expose them to everything that we want people to be doing. And with Ty Sanders, who lives on the streets outside City Hall. Oh, I just hope the city, the city continues to grow and, you know, keep on giving people the opportunity, you know, to uh, put themselves in a better situation. You know what I mean? And, and let everybody eat on all levels. You know what I mean? Because it's different levels. You know, everybody ticks a certain way, you know, and, and, you know, and I just hope they keep on giving the opportunities and the resources and, you know, and so people can keep on doing what they got to do to, you know, better their situation. Now hear how the leader of the city views the future of Seattle as it undergoes this transformation. I am here in City Hall with Mayor Murray. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Uh, so before I begin, I want to thank you for your service. I imagine it's no small sacrifice to be a public official here in Seattle. So thank you. Thank you. It's, it's an incredible job most days. <laughs> most days, which actually leads to my first question. What motivated you to take this job on? Well, you know, I, I've grown up in this city and I served in the House and I served in the Senate and I, I, I viewed the city that um, I, uh, I love and I've lived in most of my life as, um, uh, at the time, as uh, becoming um, fairly contentious. Um, I thought that progressives should be able to work together and not have winners or losers. Um, and that's why I ran. Um, I believe that I, I'm, you know, a public servant. I believe in public service. I believe government can function. And I believe that Seattle needed a different tone than, um, you know, everyone trying to be left of everybody else and, and playing the, the politics of purity. And since you've been in office, what change are you most proud of that, that you've brought in here? Well, I probably I think the most significant thing that I will have worked on is when we got pre-K up and running. I will not see the results of that um, during my time in office, but those three and four-year-olds who are who entered pre-K last September, when when they when they reach grade school, they're going to be reading and 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 taking math tests at their grade level, and they'll be graduating on time, and it will be a significant difference in their life. And as um, we have a lot of changes here in Seattle, uh, a lot of people coming in, a lot of businesses coming in and, and growing. Um, what do you hope to preserve about Seattle? Well, you know, one of the things I hope to pre preserve is affordability. I grew up in a working class family in West Seattle. My parents had seven kids and owned a, owned a house. Only one parent worked. Um, they struggled, but um, they were able to live in this city. And I want this to remain a city of of many different economic uh, back, people from many different economic backgrounds, um, and, but it's going to be a huge challenge because you know Seattle is growing at a rate that it has not seen in its history, including during the gold rush. And are there any other parts of Seattle that you hope to preserve? As far as physically or physically, culturally, well, emotionally? Well, you, you know, I mean, Seattle is. I think one of the great things about the city, why those of us who stay, stay and people move here is it's a very livable city. Uh, it's a city that's connected to its natural environment. It's a city where the water and the air um, uh, are, are a big, big part of who we are. So it is growing in a way that we don't lose um, uh, the ability to enjoy the outdoors, um, a city that feels um, like a, a great city when you're outdoors and not just a, a concrete, a concrete jungle. Um, so 
it's, it's a challenge because we're growing very fast, which makes it hard to, to plan for that. And why do you think it is that we're growing so fast? Talk a little bit about why you think Seattle has been so successful at attracting not only people who want to live here, but businesses that want to grow here. You know, let, let me back up. I, I think it was about just as I entered junior high, um, Seattle's major employer, Boeing, basically had collapsed. Um, jobs um, were disappearing from the city. There was a billboard that said the last person to leave Seattle, turn off the lights. Our schools were emptying out. Housing was very affordable because it was hard to sell. Um, some of those schools today are, are condominium, condominiums, excuse me. Um, and you could park anywhere. You could park downtown because there was not much to do downtown. So these, let, let me just kind of emphasize, it's a good problem to have. After um, you know a half century of jobs going to the suburbs, jobs are coming to this city. And one of the reasons that is happening is because people want something very different than they wanted 50 years ago. People want to live in a walkable community. That means more of an urban setting. They want to be able to walk to the store. They want to be able to go uh, to a ball game or to the theater and not have to drive and drive and drive. And that's what Seattle offers. The other thing is Seattle is a very innovative city. It's kind of in our DNA. You know, you hear the line from Bill Boeing to Bill Gates, but it's kind of true. We we're one of the largest startup cities in the, in the planet. And I think it's, it's just who we are culturally. It's uh, it's a place where people move to start over. Um, it's the last farthest place you can move west as far as a, a major American city. And I think that kind of creativity, um, uh, along with people's desire to um, live uh, in an urban setting, is, is uh, why we are seeing the growth in jobs. And with jobs, of course, comes people. And what are you doing or what do you hope to do to continue to fuel that creativity and to fuel uh, that culture of innovation and job growth here in Seattle? Well, I mean, one of the things we're, we're attempting to do is to, to work through our Office of Economic Development to work sector by sector to understand what folks need um, uh, to succeed. Um, we do a lot of work, particularly with startups. Um, obviously, one of the things that could make us succeed even more is um, our public school system, and we're working to partner with our public school system. Um, creating affordable housing so that entrepreneurs who maybe are starting out with very little can actually afford to live here so they can be creative here. So it's a whole series of things. And you said it's a good problem to have. Let's talk about some of those problems. I don't want to call them problems per se. Let's challenges. call them challenges. Yeah. Uh, what uh, are your priorities among the challenges that growth brings to the city? So the, the major priority of my administration is the issue of equity. Um, that's why we focused on the minimum wage in year one. It's why we focused on the housing affordability effort in year two. It's why we're focused on uh, a new partnership with our public schools in year three. In each of these cases is how do we create a city that is, is absolutely equitable, um, that we grow and we grow in a way that, um, uh, that it creates more affordability than we currently have. And, Related to affordability, related to that issue of affordability is the issue of livability. It's why we um, went to the ballot uh, to create a parks district to uh, create more open space and renovate our own parks and community centers. It's why we went to the ballot um, and did the largest bus transit increase in Seattle's history, or at least since Metro was founded. Um, 
those things all contribute to an equitable city. Um, so that's, that's our number one priority. And so for people who hear that you want it to be an equitable city and there might be some bumps along the way, can you explain some of the hurdles or some of the challenges that you might face why you can't just snap your fingers and it's the city you want overnight? Right. Well, you know, the city's not a bubble. So things are related to the the, the economy of the region and the the political map of the state and, and the nation. Um, so uh, solving issues such as homelessness, the city can do so much, but without um, the state and feds stepping up to help us, we're not going to be able to solve that problem by ourselves. Um, the issue of getting housing affordability um, by creating some more density in our urban villages require us to go through a whole series of processes uh, around environmental review that um, delays that really until the fall of 2017. So those those are a few of the hurdles. Uh, let's talk about the bright side. So there's obviously some opportunities that are going to be coming with economic and population growth. What do you see as the biggest opportunities for Seattle for the future? It's a good question because there's a lot of opportunities. So I'm, I'm hesitating. What is, what is sort of one of the key ones? Um, I think it is an opportunity to deal with the issue of the pipeline, public education pipeline, or just education pipeline. This is a city that has a lot of graduates, college graduates. It's not a city that necessarily graduated those those people, those uh, the folks that live in this city. So I think our golden moment here is, can our new economy hire our high school graduates? Can those high school graduates actually graduate and then get into a college. Um, it's great that we have people coming here from all around the world, but it would be even greater if our companies uh, could hire qualified people right in this city. I mean, there's 129 different languages spoken in South Seattle. So there are incredible, um, incredible rich opportunity when it comes to our own talent that is going to waste because of the high number of particularly young people of color who do not graduate. Um, and so what, do you intend to do or hope to do in order to seize these opportunities, that opportunity? Well, on the issue of public education, it's why pre-K was so important. One of the ways you deal with equity is, is give kids a better start. Um, we had a, the first education summit uh, in 26 years since Norm Rice was mayor this year, and we're putting together a series of proposals where we hope we can partner with the school district on the issue of equity of outcomes. In other words, graduating um, all of our students. And uh, switching gears a little bit, you said that you wanted to change the tone and, and to build uh, greater collaboration among different voices. And as we're at this inflection point in Seattle's history, uh, well, it's not history yet, but the inflection point for the future, it seems that there's a, um, a bit of acrimony between a pro-growth camp and the anti-growth camp. What are your observations of that tension well, you know, we're seeing this around the country. I mean, you see it in San Francisco. You saw it in Boulder, Colorado, where really a, um, people of my generation, the baby boom generation, um, basically tried to cap um, growth through a ballot measure th that failed. And, and I think it's a, a false discussion unless we want to... Uh, you can't create an affordable city by just stopping growth. You actually create a much more expensive city. And you can't just simply grow and grow and grow unless people, those who are benefiting from that growth, pay for the things that create a livable city. How do you bridge the gap between anti-growth people and pro-growth people? I know there's a lot of, when I, in doing my interviews, I'm seeing a lot of people lie in between. 
Um, but there is this vocal acrimony between the two. Well, you know, on almost any issue in Seattle, um, what I find is most people are in between. Um, they're very concerned about, uh, you know, you could take policing. There are people who are very concerned about police reform and those who absolutely believe the police can never be reformed. Most people are in the middle. The same thing with growth. There are a, a whole group of folks that are, they want to know, are we going to grow and still have good parks? Are we going to grow? And perhaps this is the most important thing and be able to move around this city transportation, probably being the biggest frustration I hear. Um, are we going to grow and, um, again, have housing where their kids can live in this city as well? And not just people again, from my generation who were able to buy a couple of decades ago. Talk about this future, um, as we're growing and, and growth continues to happen in, in those issues that you just mentioned, what did, what do you see for Seattle 10 years from now? Well, so one of the things that, you know, you, you talked about, um, and I'm going to get to your question. I'm going to go back to another one about the opportunities we have. We have a diverse economy. We have the largest uh, maritime fishing fleet in North America, in Seattle. Um, we have an industrial base, which cities like San Francisco have lost. So we have a diverse economy. And 10 years from now, Seattle will be a success if it continues to diversify and have a diverse economy. Because this city like a few in the Midwest, was once a one-horse uh, show. And you got and when Boeing fail, fell um, for many years, this city collapsed with it. So I think if we have a diverse economy, you'll see a city that remains vibrant with jobs. Um, if we work, do the work we're doing today to pass the housing affordability livability agenda, we will have created more affordable housing units in Seattle than anywhere else in the nation. Um, so I think it's an incredible opportunity. Um, if we don't diversify our economy, if we don't deal with the issue of affordability and, and the issue I mentioned earlier, um, equity and education, then I think we will be a city that will find itself in a lot of urban stress. We, we will see jobs go away. We will see um, some of the urban plight that happened in cities across the country in the, in, in the 1960s uh, uh, come back. Um, so there are two visions. And why do you see this urban plight as such a bad thing? I mean, it obviously seems like a, an obvious question, but help somebody who is kind of putting their, their uh, planting their flag in the ground saying no growth at all costs. Um, why is this plight so bad? Well, you know, if you don't have jobs, um, then you have higher poverty. Um, if you don't have um, a education system that is actually educating kids and you don't have jobs, you have kids in poverty with no hope, that always leads to crime. Um, and property value goes down and then you start to spiral downward. So, you know, it, it can be a win-win situation. Growth can be something that adds value to people who own homes t today. We're not going to plow their home, their single family homes down, despite what um, some newspapers claim. Um, so, you know, I, I think it is, it's finding that, that um, you know, I hate to use the term sweet spot, but it's finding that way to grow and grow smart. Um, why I keep coming back to the issue of open space and housing affordability and transit. Um, we can ha handle more density in this city if we're smart about how we grow. You know, this is a larger city than Boston, which is 49 square miles and has about 600,000. We're 89 square miles and have, have 700,000 people. San Francisco is about 49 square miles, 900,000 people. Both smaller cities and have been able to handle density and have really 
are considered wonderful places to live. You're, I'm sure, constantly being asked for favors and help. Uh, people want a lot of, of the mayor. I want to give you a chance to ask some help from the people of Seattle. Uh, what could you, what, what would you ask the people of Seattle to help make your life easier, to help make your vision come true? You know, I, I, I guess I would ask people let's just deal with the the issue around um, growth and some of the challenges with growth. One, housing affordability, and the other is homelessness. On both of these, um, there are no simple solutions. And uh, the solutions are there, though, if we talk to each other and don't demonize each other. There are ways to make our neighborhoods even greater than they are today if we're willing to talk to each other. Um, the issue of homelessness is not a Seattle problem. It is a national problem, particularly on the West Coast. Our suburban neighbors, as well as the major cities, are all you know, struggling with this. Can we have a conversation about this uh, instead of engaging in some of the uh, strident um, mischaracterizations of what people are trying to do uh, that we see in, in the blogosphere? Uh, I guess that's what I would ask, is that we would engage each other and not immediately question our our motivations and so i'm going to give you a chance to provide any concluding thoughts on what economic and population growth means for the city of seattle or for your job in particular well uh you know for my job in particular um you know we've gone from the 20th largest city to the 18th largest city in the two years that i've been mayor um and uh uh this is not a, a particularly large city government compared to other cities so it's made my job very interesting um, but for the city, um, I, again, I think this is opportunity. Jobs are here. The highest and best use of a lot of property is no longer parking lots. I mean, all those parking lots used to exist in Seattle. They got here because buildings got torn down because we lost population. So I think we should look at this as an incredible opportunity. And again, talk to each other about how we take advantage of this opportunity and, uh, and build the city of, of, of the, this century, of the 21st century. Mr. Mayor, or Mayor Murray, whatever you prefer to be <laughs> whatever, called. Whatever, <laughs> whatever. Uh, Mayor Murray, thank you very much for your time. Thanks really for having me on, appreciate it. And now it is your turn. Growth in this city is what we make of it. Whether you feel growth is a tyrant that needs to be stopped, or growth is a hero bringing gifts to the city, we must work together to build the kind of city we want. The kind of city that keeps all that is great about Seattle and its people, while making constant progress towards a brighter future for everyone. I hope you will continue the conversation with your friends, neighbors, and coworkers. I hope you will accept Seattle's challenges as your own and work together with your fellow community members to shape the Seattle of tomorrow. From the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you for joining me on the 13-episode journey of Seattle Growth Podcast. I've enjoyed meeting such extraordinary people and sharing their voices with you. Seattle Growth Podcast couldn't have had the success it's had without the contributions of all my guests, without John Kybe, who has done fantastic audio work, and without the help of Mike Bosey, Victor Balta, Ed Cromer, Andrew Kruger, Peter Kelly, Deborah Bach, Rebecca Gorley, and Michelle Ma, who each have helped in spreading the word to the University of Washington community and beyond. I also want to thank Lauren Brohan, Charles Trillingham, Leslie Mabry, Connie Barasa Shaw, and the UW's Burke Center for Entrepreneurship for organizing last week's live event at the Impact Hub Seattle. Going forward, 
please stay subscribed to the podcast on iTunes and let me know what had the greatest impact on you. And also tell me what growth-related issues would you like to explore further? You could follow me on Twitter, at Prof Shulman. I've truly enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you will continue to be engaged in our fine city.